Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's message was given by First Pres Interim Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Tassie Green. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2, 9 and 11, and 105 and from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and 9 through 11, which you will find in the beginning of the Old Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 577 and on screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Almighty God, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, may it not return to you empty. May it accomplish that of which you purpose, may it succeed in the thing for which you sent it. Open your ears and your hearts to your word. Open our ears and hearts to your word, that we may live as your children and heirs. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 1. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart. How can young people keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Do not let me astray from your commandments. I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Matthew 2, verse 1. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have, and have come to pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down to pay him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, They offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the word of of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we begin this new series about the Bible. This week's on what the Bible is. Today it's the Bible is a light. And we're pairing this with the celebration of Epiphany. Just as the wise men followed the star, the light of the star, which pointed them to Jesus, the Christ child, We see Jesus revealed as a light for the world, a light that points out God's incredible no-matter-what love for us. That's why today we celebrate Jesus being revealed, being made known to the whole world, and we'll see that Jesus can transform each of us into his light as well. By reading the Bible as our light and by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we come to understand who Jesus is. 
In fact, as I listened to these passages anew, especially the gospel passages, I found three interesting questions in the gospel of Matthew that help us. Three enormous questions. Where is the child? Who is Jesus? And who are we? So we'll ask these together. Where is the child? I love this piece of artwork of the Magi seeking, reaching toward the star, looking for where Jesus. It's called Shining Hope by contemporary artist Lauren Wright Pittman. So when they arrived in Jerusalem, they asked, where is the child, the newborn king? And to answer them, Herod did this. He called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Messiah was to be born. So together, they all followed the light of the scriptures. Their questions were illuminated by the ancient prophecy from Micah 5 that you probably heard time and time again in the last month. From Bethlehem will come a ruler to shepherd my people Israel. So Herod commanded the wise men to go to Bethlehem. He had his own agenda, but this is what he ordered them to do. Search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and <clears throat> worship him. That's my own reading of Herod's words. We read in Matthew that the Magi followed the light of the star, and it stopped over the place where the child was. It stopped there. They were overjoyed, and they worshipped Jesus. And then surprisingly, plot twist, God warns them in a dream to return home by another way. So we also learn in Scripture that God's power is greater than Herod's. The Magi's journey to find Jesus is part of God's plan to reveal God's self to us and to the whole world and to save us. So we learn from Scripture that God is greater than Herod. And from Matthew and Luke, we learn that God is a sign-giving God, a star-sending God, a seeking-us-out God, a God who is for us, and a God who longs to show God's self to us. Even when we have trouble following God or we're tempted to do things our own way, from the Bible, we learn that God is a self-revealing God. We learn who God is in Jesus Christ. The Bible shines light on Jesus, who is himself our light. So we ask again, looking at the Bible, who is Jesus? How does Jesus fit into all this? Ancient prophecies, wise men coming, kings being upset. How does Jesus fit in? Who is Jesus? I love this art. This is from Frank Wesley. We've looked at some of his paintings before, especially the woman with the hemorrhage. Who is Jesus? Jesus' incarnation, his coming to earth as a human is our shining light. The revelation of our God who loves us, who is for us. The God who sent his own son to earth to live among us, to die for us, to save us. But don't just take my word for it. Let's look at who scripture says Jesus is. Let's use scripture's words from Philippians to shine light on our answer. Please join me in a responsive reading from Philippians 2. 
Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow, what a revelation that scripture teaches us who Jesus is. Not only now, but one day when every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. It gives us hope. It gives us encouragement and a joy at the privilege of being invited in to participate in God's plan to save the whole world. We see Jesus, this revelation, God with us, God for us, God who has a good plan for us. So we look at Jesus today anew, truly look at Jesus, the bright morning star, the savior of the whole world. We see him illuminated in the light of scriptures. So question number three, number number three, we've seen Jesus, we've asked, we've seen scripture as a lamp, we've seen a light shining on Jesus, and we've looked at Jesus, our true light. So we ask along with the wise men, along with Herod, along with Jesus, who are we in the scriptures, in light of God's love, in light of Jesus being the savior of the whole world? Who are we? Who are we in these Bible stories? Humans created by and loved by God. Who are we as we choose to follow Jesus each day? Perhaps this story will help us. I was thinking about my friend Michael who owns a border collie named Scout. Do you know what border collies are for? They're for herding sheep. That dog is wired to herd sheep above all else. The only problem is there are no sheep in sight in Los Angeles where he lives. And so the first thing every morning, Scout is his name, he runs downstairs and he herds the cats once around the whole house and back to the couch. And then Michael had kids and Scout tried to switch sheep. Scout kept trying, but kids, especially babies and toddlers, aren't very herdable. Scout became frustrated. He was always barking chasing the kids around, trying to herd them, and they just thought it was big fun. Scout became a frustrated dog, a barker even, and he had a, a need to herd. Sheep and cats apparently also need to be herded. Kids don't. But then Scout realized somehow that it was a safer bet to go back to herding cats. And so back again, he went to his habit of down the stairs, once around the house, herding the cats and back to the couch. And everything was well again. It made me wonder, what do we do with our wiring? What scripture shows to us? Our desire to turn away from God, 
our desire to control others, perhaps to herd them. The Bible shines a light on us too. The Bible illuminates the fact that we are fallen and flawed. We have original sin, well, unoriginal sin really, nothing we do is very original, and we do it over and over again, don't we? We keep making those same mistakes over and over, but the Bible teaches that we still have choice. The more we understand our human weakness, the more we understand the power of the cross of Jesus Christ to redeem us. Through scripture, we come to understand that we are not only fallen and flawed, but we have what preacher David Lowe calls original insecurity. We have doubt, we have restlessness, a hole in our hearts that we each feel. Blaise Pascal wrote of humans that we each have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, in our lives. Interesting that Pascal did not see this as a flaw, but rather as a way that God keeps us connected to our life-giving relationship with God. I find that fascinating. So who are we? We're people with a God-shaped hole in our hearts that we keep trying to fill. Scripture tells us that Adam and Eve tried to fill it with an apple that would open their eyes. They tried to fill the hole with knowledge, with self-sufficiency. And in this story, we heard that Herod tried to fill that hole with power. They each tried to live their lives on their own terms, in their own timing, apart from God. In the scriptures, we see that Jesus did it differently. Jesus shows us how to live connected to God. We all face the same temptations as one another, as the people in the Bible. So what are we to do with that God-shaped hole? Los wonders, might it be that a part of being human is becoming aware that we are not complete in and of ourselves, that lack is actually a permanent part of our condition. To be human is to be aware that we carry inside ourselves a hole, an emptiness that we are always trying to fill. We'll be restless to fill it. Adam and Eve see the apple and conclude that the hole in their hearts is shaped just like that fruit. Yet after they eat, the emptiness remains. Today, we might imagine that hole to be shaped just like a new car or a computer or a better house or the perfect spouse or fill in the blank. And of course, in this last month, we saw that advertisers try to play on that hole in our hearts big time. So what are we to do with our wiring, with our desire to control others, with our gaping flaws, with our needy seeking, with our constant disappointments? What do we do with that hole in our hearts? Well, one thing we can do is turn to scripture, which is a lamp, a light to guide us in our seeking of answers of who we are, and what we might do next. 
But you might feel like you're arguing with me. That negative voice in your head might be saying, no, the hole is too big. I can't escape my drive to do the worst possible thing at the worst possible moment to fill that hole. I can't move past my vices or temptations. I can't outrun my need to be loved by someone, even if they're bad for me. Even when I know that Satan is offering me an apple, I'll eat it and I'll pass it on. In the crunch between what I want and what I need, I rarely choose God. We might be having that argument with ourselves. We know the Apostle Paul did too. He talks about that in Romans. But our Bible assures us that our God doesn't stand by frowning, arms crossed, just waiting for us to screw up, to accept Satan's offer. No, the Bible is a light to point our way, to show us how to ask God for what we need. When we ask God for help, or even when we lean the slightest bit towards God, toward loving and obeying Jesus, God can open for us the floodgates of God's provision and help for us. When we pray that one word prayer, help, Jesus is right there, arms open and ready. Even after we've taken a bite, God knows how to make plan B turn out for our redemption as well. We can ask God to progressively conquer more and more of our hearts and our minds and our lives. So will we admit to this God-shaped hole and our ongoing struggle with it as a permanent part of our human condition? And not all bad at that because it turns us back to God. Will we embrace that? How it keeps sending us back to God for our God-shaped hole to be filled by Jesus, by the light of God's love? Our temptations never seem to end. We won't get that hole filled once for all in this lifetime. Anyone who suggests that you can is selling us something or is Satan in disguise. So do we despair? No, because Jesus assures us that our emptiness, our sin is not the whole story. It does not have the final word. The Bible shines a light on this. By the light of scripture, we learn that on the cross, God makes a way to save us in our struggle, to fill the void in us and in our loved ones. That's who God is in Jesus Christ. God is saving, restoring love and a light for our way, showing us that we are beloved, forgiven sinners. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. And as we live that out, we begin to see that Jesus can transform each of us into a light in God's world also. Perhaps as we share our struggles, as we pray for others, as we understand, as we offer sympathy, empathy for what they're going through, that we are right there in it with them. We also become a light. The season of Epiphany is not just a series of epiphanies or special moments that reveal something about God and something about Jesus and something about ourselves. Epiphany reminds us that Jesus himself is an epiphany, the revelation of God for us and with us, our powerful God who can transform lives. Jesus is our light. 
As a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, the Bible shines its light on Jesus, and we can shine our light too. Amen.